good evening and Merry Christmas. My name is Chris Colquitt. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my just total delight to welcome you all this evening to Trinity Presbyterian Church and to this worship service. I'm going to read from John chapter 1, and then I'm going to say a few things about it. Um, in your bulletin is printed verses 14 to 30. I'm going to start with verses 1 to 3, and then I'll jump to 14 if you'll let me do that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. And they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if, neither, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father in heaven, what a joy it is to gather this evening as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. As we consider this proclamation of John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, we know that those words were uttered by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are your words and they are for us this evening. And so we pray that your Spirit who reveals yourself to us would be with us. Speak truly and clearly through me and in our hearts, that we might see and treasure Christ our Savior, in whose name we boldly pray. Amen. Well, here at Trinity on Sunday mornings during the season of Advent, we've been looking at John chapter 1. The Gospel of John is written by the Apostle John, and John is, has a unique introduction to the life of Jesus. Unlike Luke, which is what we read just a moment ago, which tells us of Bethlehem, John, in his prologue, gives us the story of Jesus way before Bethlehem. He wants us to see that Christ is the Son of God, 
the second person of the Trinity, God himself who existed from all eternity and through whom all the world was made. And then as he begins his narrative account, here in verse 19 and on, we are taken immediately to the adult life of Jesus. And when he appears on the scene, the first thing that is said about Christ through the lips of John the Baptist takes us way after Bethlehem. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, takes us to the cross itself. And so John wants us to see as we begin to read the story of Jesus that this is God himself and that he came on a mission. A mission with a significance that only took place on a cross on Golgotha. What I want us to think about tonight, just briefly, as we've read Luke and we've read John, is what John's account of Christ's beginning tells us about this scene in Luke chapter 2 that is so familiar to us and that we approach every Christmas. This scene of Christ himself being born, being wrapped in swaddling clothes and being laid in a manger. And what I want to suggest is that John's gospel and his account of the pre-incarnate Christ who comes as the Savior of the world to take away sin is going to help us very much to understand the Jesus who was born to Mary. To do that, I just want to reflect on those words of John the Baptist in verse 29, and in particular on one word, maybe not the word that's at the top of the list of words to reflect on there, and yet it's the one we're going to do tonight. It is the word translated takes away. The word translated takes away. It's one word in the Greek. It's a verb, iron, if you're a Greek scholar. And the word means, very simply, to take something away, to pick it up, to remove something. It's a kind of word that is entirely the work of the subject of the sentence. If I take out the trash... The trash does nothing to take itself out. Y'all know, right? Sin does nothing to take itself out of our lives in Jesus. Little kids, y'all are here this evening, and we're so glad you're here. Have you ever experienced this thing, okay? Mom or dad is saying, come here, come here, come over here. And you don't want to do that. And so you either stay still or you start moving in the other direction. Anyone ever experienced that? And then something magical happens. Hands, strong hands, grab you and lift you and pull you in a direction that you were not intending to go. That feeling is being taken away, okay? That's taken away. That's iron, okay? That's the word that is being used here. Now, what does that tell us about Jesus? Well, as I studied that word in John, one of the remarkable things is that later in the Gospel of John, Jesus is actually the object, for those of you who don't remember what that means, the thing being acted upon by that word takes away, significantly so at the end of his life. And most strikingly, when Jesus is presented by Pilate before the Jewish people, and in John chapter 19, Here's what they say when they see Christ. Away with him, away with him, 
Crucify him. You know what that word away with him, away with him is? Same word. Get him out of here. Away. Christ as the prisoner. Christ as the passive victim who is taken away and put on a cross. And then in later in John 19, after Christ has died, Joseph goes to the authorities and says, please, let me take Jesus. Let me take the body of Jesus away from the cross. Same word. And they take Christ and they take him to a tomb and they clean his body and they wrap him in linen and they lay him to rest. And the disciples who were seeing this saw Christ, this strong one whom they had followed for so long, suddenly being taken being moved about, not on his own accord seemingly, but upon the will of another. The way that you get grabbed by your parents and pulled in the other direction. But here's the really cool thing about that word. Jesus knew that was going to happen. And in John chapter 10, he pre-interpreted for his disciples and said, this is what's really going on. Listen to John 10, 11 and 17 through 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. The scene at the end of Jesus' life, the scene that John the Baptist is drawing our attention to in John chapter 1, where Jesus appears to be the passive one, the one taken, the one powerless. Jesus says, no. In that moment, brothers and sisters, I am in complete control. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. I do it on purpose. Why? Because I am the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. All right. What does that have to do with Bethlehem? What does that have to do with Luke chapter 2, verse 7, where we read that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in an inn? Baby Jesus appears to be a baby. He is a baby. He's not just appearing to be a baby. He is a baby. And he is taken from his mother, cleaned. Some of y'all have seen babies being born. They come out not so clean. He was cleaned and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was laid into a manger. There are babies in this room right now. Clean babies. Babies smell so good. Jesus smelled like a baby laid in a manger. But what we need to recognize tonight as we see Christ, the pre-incarnate one who came on purpose to be the active one, is that even in that moment, even as Mary holds infant Jesus and lays him powerlessly into the cradle, Christ himself is in complete control. He is not 
having his life taken from him then, and he will not have it taken from him at the end of time. He is, even then, upholding the universe by the word of his power. He is there on purpose. He is there with a mission. And that mission, brothers and sisters, is the exact opposite of what we see. Not for us to take baby Jesus and to wrap him and to lay him, but for him to give you new birth. For him to take you in your dirt and grime and to clean you off. For him to wrap you in the cloths of his righteousness and for him to lay you down. That's what he came to do. And to do it, he humbled himself to the womb of Mary and to the person of an infant human so that he might do that for you kids y'all if you're here and you are under the age of four right now and there's enough parents i want you to get in your parents lap okay get in your parents lap anybody wants to get in their parents if you're older than that you can get in your parents lap too i got one here okay y'all are here Listen, the invitation of Jesus Christ, the mission of Jesus Christ at Christmas, through his life, at his death and in his resurrection, his ascension, and even still today, is that he might take you, that he might take you and clean you and hold you. When it comes to Jesus, we are the infants. We are the ones in need of care, and he is entirely happy to deal with us on those terms. Brothers and sisters, if you came here tonight put together and beautiful, which is most of y'all, know that Jesus Christ accepts you in the mess that you are. And he longs to hold you, to cradle you, to clean you, and you have nothing to bring to the table. And that is exactly as it should be. And here at Bethlehem, in the baby Jesus, in Christ in the manger, we see that mission begun. And he is there on purpose, upholding the universe, even as he lays sweetly as an infant child. Would you receive him in joy this Christmas, we pray. Let me pray. God in heaven, we do rejoice in your gospel truth. Lord, we long to be held by you. We're tired of putting up our performances. Lord, would you convince us of the beauty of your gospel that we might despair of our own doing and rejoice in the work that you have done and that you came to do this night 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Lord, take us, clean us, wrap us, and hold us in your love. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.